It is Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Tom Brady has decided to go away from the New England Patriots just when everybody thought there's no sports to talk about. Tom Brady decides to do it. Actually, I got to quote this. I can't take credit for this bit of genius. Uh, oh, and there goes the breaking news alert from the Associated Press. Uh, where is it? Yes, yes, us. No sports to talk about. Tom Brady, hold my twice-filtered vitamin-rich kale juice. <laughs> uh, welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, across Georgia and the nation, I am not video live streaming. You, you can go to one of many of my fine affiliates uh, to live stream, if you need to live stream this, uh, we, we are doing broadcast radio today at its finest, believe it or not. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I am noticing a trend. I actually am. Uh, it started happening to me. By the way, happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. I'm wearing orange today just for you. I'm kidding. I, I, I am Presbyterian. I, I feel compelled, but I, I'm not even wearing green today. Um, but it is St. Patrick's Day. I'll have a beer later. Um, <laughs> maybe as we get closer to noon. Why not? We can't go to Savannah today for the parade. Um, so I am noticing a trend, and it started happening to me two days ago. And it amped up yesterday and picked up steam overnight, uh, particularly as I was going down a conspiracy rabbit hole uh, and, and kind of exposing and breaking down a conspiracy to explain to people what the truth of something was. And we'll get to that in just a minute. I'm totally shaking up the order of the show now, by the way. Um, but I'm noticing people on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and I'm sure it's happening on, on Snapchat and other social media outlets as well claiming that in December they had all the symptoms of COVID-19. They were tested for the flu. They tested negative for the flu. They clearly had COVID-19. Therefore, it couldn't have come from China. Hmm. China has started a major uh, social media troll factory to spread disinformation about what's going on. China has actually decided that uh, they they want to, to spread disinformation and they want to uh, undermine the truth of the situation. You're seeing a lot of uh, progressives on social media uh, taking their marching orders from China, not directly, but but China is playing to their, to their sympathies uh, by having people who refer to the Wuhan virus denounced as racist. Now, Ebola, Zika, um, e- Ebola, Zika, the West Nile, St. Louis encephalitis, um, uh, the Rocky Mountain fever, you name it, they all uh, get their... Uh, names from geographic designation. They all get their names from where they originated. The Wuhan virus is not an exception to this. It's part of this. Uh, But the Chinese propagandists have been pushing the idea that to refer to it as the Wuhan virus is racist. And you will not be surprised to find that this became a talking point on the left. It was amplified by MSNBC. And just at the time that Mike Pompeo, the American Secretary of State, starts using the phrase Wuhan virus, it is because China 
is pushing this, claiming that it's racist propaganda. China is now seeding the well. For example, I, I debunked a conspiracy theory last night. I, I'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but I debunked a conspiracy theory that is directly tied to this Wuhan um, laboratory where a lot of people believe the virus came from. And I was stunned to see a number of people uh, trying to send me links uh, to a lot of, of fake sites saying, oh, no, no, no. It, really, it was American pharmaceutical companies who did this. And, and they were all freshly created Twitter accounts or accounts created in the last year with hardly any any comments except about the situation. Very clearly bots. It's very much like what the Russians were doing in 2016, stirring up uh, sentiment against Trump and against Hillary on social media. That, By the way, that's one of the things the media forgets is that the uh, the Russian bots that were on Twitter were doing it against Hillary Clinton and against Donald Trump. It wasn't just against Clinton. It was against Trump as well. The Russians were out to sow discord, and that's what they did. They created a bunch of accounts. They had them lying dormant on Twitter for some time, and they fired them all up. And they would occasionally tweet from them just so... It didn't look too suspicious. That's what's happening here. Now, uh, we'll get into the conspiracy theory and all of that. I want to get to the president's press conference. Uh, there is some breaking news, though, happening right now. It's 11 past the hour this morning, and the White House is going to propose an $850 billion emergency stimulus plan. This is separate from what the House had been doing. In fact, this will probably override what the House has been doing. Uh, it's going to include a payroll tax cut. It's going to include aid for airlines. Uh, the Kentucky Derby has been postponed now. It's going to wait until the weekend of college football starting. Kentucky sucks at football, so no big deal there. Uh, but for the rest of us, we'll be watching college football, I'm sure. Now, we'll get to all of that. Uh, but let me go to the President's Press Conference. I'm going to play, play you a very lengthy excerpt of the president. I want you to hear him in his entirety. Uh, no cuts on this particular part because it's very important. The White House has outlined guidelines they want everyone to adhere to, including uh, no crowds of 10 or more, no discretionary travel, stay in your home and close all the schools nationwide to stop the spread of this virus. Uh, the president taking this very seriously. You can hear from his tone yesterday. Uh, I, I got some points to make on that, but I want you to hear the president in his entirety. Uh, relevantly, if you want to see the the uh, the president's plan, if you want to see the guidelines, if you want to read the PDF from the White House yourself, if you text the word data to 33777, I'm going to send you back a link to a daily newsletter I've started writing for people. You can subscribe to it. It's seven bucks. That's it. Uh, and you can subscribe to this email. If you don't, that's fine. You'll still be able to get through. You'll be able to find the relevant links to the White House guidelines. I want you to be, I don't want to profit off the coronavirus. I want you to be able to see the data. So text data to 33777. You will get a link back. Uh, and if you click it, follow through, you'll find some relevant links, including the White House guidelines. Everything's down at the bottom uh, in particular of that of that. Uh, piece you'll see so that you can have them. Now, here's the president. Uh, this is about three minutes, and I want to play this in its entirety for you because you should hear from him, not me on this. This morning, I spoke with the leaders of the G7, G7 nations, and they uh, uh, really had a good meeting. I think it was a very, very productive meeting. I also spoke with our nation's governors. And this afternoon, we're announcing new guidelines for every American to follow over the next 15 days. As we combat the virus, each and every one of us has a critical role to play in stopping the spread and transmission of the virus. We, we did this today. This was done by a lot of very talented people, some of whom are standing with me. And that's available. 
and Dr. Burks will be speaking about that in just a few minutes. It's important for the young and healthy people to understand that while they may experience milder symptoms, uh, they can easily spread this virus and they will spread it indeed, putting countless others in harm's way. We especially worry about our senior citizens. The White House task force meets every day and continually updates guidelines based on the fast evolving situation that this has become all over the world. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. On the guidelines of the task force, the new modeling conducted by Dr. Burks and our consultation with governors, we've made the decision to further toughen the guidelines and blunt the infection now. We'd much rather be ahead of the curve than behind it, and that's what we are. Therefore, my administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible, avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people, avoid discretionary travel, and avoid eating and drinking at bars, restaurants, and public food courts. If everyone makes this uh, change or these critical changes and sacrifices now, we will rally together as one nation and we will defeat the virus and we're going to have a big celebration all together. With several weeks of focused action, we can turn the corner and turn it quickly. A lot of progress has been made. I'm also pleased to report today that a vaccine candidate has begun the phase one clinical trial. This is one of the fastest vaccine development launches in history, not even close. We're also racing to develop antiviral therapies and other treatments. And we've had some promising results, early results, but promising to reduce the severity and the duration of the, of the symptoms. And I have to say that uh, our government is prepared to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, we're doing. We're doing it in every way. And uh, with that, I'd like to just introduce Dr. Burks, who's going to discuss uh, some of the things that we strongly recommend. Thank you. That was the president of the United States addressing the nation late yesterday. Uh, there is uh, just just to give you the guidelines again, if you want to see him, text the word data to three, three, seven, 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 so that you have them yourself. Uh, he wants to limit gatherings and keep in mind, this is not uh, contrary to way the way some have reported it. This is not a mandate. Uh, there is no mandate. I, you know, I got blown up late last evening by someone saying, stop spreading rumors of martial law. Haven't you seen San Francisco? Well, yesterday it was all rumor about martial law. San Francisco has largely imposed martial law at this point. Uh, people are shut in their houses. They have a, a shelter in place order in San Francisco. You're not allowed to go out for the next several days at all for any reason. Uh, but that's not nationwide. In fact, the president was asked about it yesterday, and he said he does not expect it to happen nationwide. He expects there will be local communities around the country that decide they've got to do this, but otherwise they're not going to do this, uh, which is which is a smart way to do it. Do we need it to shelter in place in Georgia? Probably not statewide. Maybe in some places it's going to become necessary, but overall statewide, no, it doesn't look like we're going to need to worry about that, which is a good thing. Um, we, we will figure this out as we go through it. The president says it may last until August. Uh, he did make mention of that vaccine, uh, and, and that there is a vaccine candidate. Let me play him again on this. And then Dr. Fauci, I'm also pleased to report today that a vaccine candidate has begun the phase one clinical trial. This is one of the fastest vaccine development launches in history. 
not even close. We're also racing to develop antiviral therapies and other treatments. And we've had some promising results, early results, but promising to reduce the severity and the duration of the the symptoms. And I have to say that uh, our government is prepared to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes we're doing. We're doing it in every way. That was the president on the vaccine. Here's Dr. Fauci. The vaccine candidate that was given the first injections for the first person took place today. You might recall when we first started, I said it would be two to three months. And if we did that, that would be the fastest we've ever gone from obtaining the sequence to being able to do a phase one trial. This has been now 65 days, which I believe is the record. Uh, What it is, it's a trial of 45 normal individuals between the ages of 18 and 55. The trial is taking place in Seattle. There will be two uh, injections, one at zero day, first one, then 28 days. There will be three separate doses, 25 milligrams, 100 milligrams, 250 milligrams, and the individuals will be followed for one year, both for safety and whether it induces the kind of response that we predict would be protective. And that's exactly what I've been telling this group over and over again. So it's happened. The first injection was today. It's not going to be until next year, unless some barring some sort of scientific miracle here. It's going to be a year before this thing is developed. And and the reason that's relevant is because they do expect this virus to not burn out altogether. Uh, They think it's going to be around for a while. Uh, And there's a developing difference of opinion between the United States and uh, Great Britain and the Netherlands and the rest of Europe over this. You know, one of the interesting side effects of this virus is we're starting to realize, again, borders do matter. Uh, For the open borders brigade, borders, turns out, they do matter. In fact, uh, you've got now Canada closing off its border with everyone except people from the United States. You've got uh, the rest of Europe, European countries now within the the European zone, shutting down their borders to other people. A lot of them shutting down their borders to the Netherlands and the UK now uh, because of herd immunity. The idea of herd immunity, and it's only just dawned on Great Britain that herd immunity probably is a terrible idea. I'll explain what that is and why suddenly it's dawning on them. It's a bad idea when we come back. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. How is your social distancing going, your self-quarantining going? I hope it's going well for you. You, If you need a break from homeschooling the kids or what have you, feel free to call in. Uh, what is herd immunity? This is becoming a thing. Um the the essential piece here is that in Great Britain and the Netherlands, they've decided to let everybody get sick. Their theory is that this virus is going to be around for a while. So go on and let everybody build up natural immunity to it. If you're a senior citizen, shelter in place. Everybody else go about your business. Everybody will get immune to it and it'll burn itself out. That's that's the thinking, uh, just so you understand it. Uh, the Netherlands, of course, is a country that prides itself on euthanasia and killing senior citizens. And the, the Dutch prime minister has basically come out and said, yep, uh, we're doing nothing. Let everybody get it and, and people are going to die, but it'll be far better in the long run. Now, uh, the Dutch don't exactly value life. Uh, Boris Johnson, it's finally dawning on him uh, that there may be a problem. Here is some of Boris Johnson. 
Every Londoner knows the city's underground, the tube, is a filthy breeding ground for disease, even on a good day. But the growing coronavirus threat isn't keeping people away. No social distancing down here. It's hot, crowded and far too intimate. <coughs> but even as many Brits calmly carry on with their lives, they're also scared and confused and they blame the government. No, I don't think so they're doing enough because there's still people going out, there's still people going to school. Well, I just feel frightened, you know, because I don't, just don't think the telling is enough. The British government waited longer than others around the world to make the hard decisions which keep people away from each other, insisting the science supported holding off. While at the same time, Prime Minister Boris Johnson made grave predictions about what's likely to come. And many more families are going to lose loved ones before their time. Yes, many more uh, Britons are going to lose loved ones before their time. And why? Because his health advisors, by the way, uh, the health minister in Great Britain has tested positive for the virus uh, and is now in isolation. And they made the decision that they're not going to shut down the country. It's going to be business as usual. And so the virus is spreading uh, through younger populations. The elderly are getting it. It's going to overwhelm their hospital system. And the Dutch, by the way, the, the Dutch are doing this. And the Dutch are saying, yes, it's going to overwhelm the hospitals. And the hospitals are equipped to decide who lives and who dies. That's herd immunity. Uh, the upside of herd immunity is that it gets the virus out of their system quicker and more people build natural immunity to it. The downside of it is uh, a whole lot more people will die in those countries. And frankly, when you look at the European setup right now, they are in population crisis because their young people are not reproducing uh, enough to keep the population going. So they're killing off the productive members of society and senior citizens in the name of building up immunity to this virus. Uh, and the young people aren't procreating and they're going to have even less incentive to do so. They are essentially sabotaging their populations in Great Britain and the Netherlands. And uh, in the UK, they're safe because they just had a, a parliamentary election. But this is going to have lasting consequences in both countries. Everywhere else is shutting down borders. Even uh, the Germans, for example, are shutting down borders with their neighboring countries. And the Germans have been the most pro-open borders country in Europe. It, it actually is rather funny in, in my mind to see European countries reasserting sovereignty and border control. Uh, when for years they've prided themselves on uh, it being open borders, being a United States of Europe, it is all falling apart now because of this virus. Borders matter. National sovereignty matters. And we're beginning to see that here in this country and elsewhere. Uh, lots happening there. Now, we need to discuss the press as well. I want to play you a, a a quick little soundbite of the president from yesterday's press conference. Very simple question. Does the buck stop with you? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. <laughs> oh, that reporter was wearing uh, black uh, rubber gloves. Scared to get sick wearing black rubber gloves. By the way, you could see in the video he had a tear in him already. I don't know who the reporter is. I assume he's from a left-wing publication. And he had a moment to ask the president of the United States a question. 
After weeks of the media demanding that the president move on, at weeks that the, the, the media demand the president be more serious, weeks that the, the media demand the president grow up and, and express the seriousness of it, he does exactly what they want to do yesterday. And, and this little poindextery reporter in, in his black rubber gloves, as if he's scared of something in the White House, is, can, can you tell me, uh, how do you rate your success on this? And what do you think about what you've done? And isn't it all your fault anyway that we're all getting sick? What a waste of a question. What a waste of oxygen by that guy to do that. Uh, are we all going to grow up and move on or not? That's what they said they wanted the president to do. It is Eric Erickson here. And again, if you text the word data to 33777, you can get uh, the, the White House uh, briefing paper on what they want people to do. You know, we, we're... My sister says it It sounds very selfish of me, and it is. It is totally selfish of me uh, to bring this up, but I, I really want to go to the beach in two weeks uh, for spring break, and we, we rented a house with some friends uh, to go, and we can shelter in place there. In fact, I, I'm, I'm seeing this coming. I've been slowly over the last several weeks, as I've been telling you guys, buying enough food. We can take it all with us so I never have to leave the house. I want to go. I really don't want the interstates to be shut down, which I don't know how they would actually enforce something like that, but they may try. Um, in, in any event, um, it, it, I, I'm seeing all, all of this stuff coming up, and it does concern me as to uh, the state of the nation and where we go and sheltering in place and, and all that sort of stuff. It, it's deeply problematic and troubling. Uh, economically, it is on small businesses. It, you know, Georgia, in the last couple of years, uh, since the legislature did the whole free the beer thing and passed legislation that allowed craft beer breweries to sell to people uh, who visit the breweries, they've the business has exploded. And I saw this, let, let me find it. Um, some of you, if you've, you're familiar with Reformation, Reformation is in Canton and it is in um, in Woodstock. They are great people. Spencer Nix uh, is a wonderful guy. And let me read you what he put up on Facebook last night. This has been one of the most difficult days of my professional life. And I have no doubt that there are many more to come. But telling the most amazing crew on earth the hard realities of what we are facing as a small business has devastated me there is no law or justice in the world to ease these hard moments i would covet your prayers for our business and our crew we absolutely love serving you and standing against the tide of cultural social distancing the measures we must now take for the health and safety of our crew and our community are undeniable but now reformation brewery needs our community more than ever we want to survive to be able to serve you a full experience again and to tear down these walls of social distance. As hard, difficult, and uncertain as these moments are, let's never forget them. We are not created for this. We are created for face-to-face -face human interactions. I pray that all the efforts to flatten the curve and that being forced to go online will not only work to slow the virus, but also cure us of our infatuation with thinking that the digital community is equal or better than face-to-face, life-to-life community. I'm fully leaning on the grace of God in these times, and Reformation Brewery is now fully leaning on the grace of our community. Stay tuned for more robust outdoor socially distanced experiences and drive through options, and please consider Reformation and all our amazing retail partners. Um, it, it is uh, just um, amazing, and now uh, I, I just actually, while I'm doing this, uh, I am seeing uh, Nick Purdy from Wild Heaven is messaging me on Facebook, and they are uh, having to furlough people. And let me let me send this out. Um, 
I'm going to do this on Twitter live here. If you want to follow me on Twitter at E.W. Erickson, so you can, uh, you can help out. Here's a great way to help a great Georgia brewery. Um, pushing that out for Wild Heaven now. They just had to furlough four people from their uh, brewery. We're seeing this across the board with small businesses in Georgia impacted, retailers, uh, restaurants, breweries. Uh, remember, a lot of restaurants now are going to be takeout restaurants uh, because the government is increasingly cracking down on that. In different parts of the state, curfews are imposed, uh, keeping people at home. And Athens uh, in Brookhaven, Georgia, on the, the part of Atlanta inside the perimeter, they are shutting down a lot of places on government orders. It's going to be a very, very difficult economic time for people. So anything you can do to help uh, would be appreciated. Now, I want to get back to the press misfiring. I'm told this was Hunter Walker, the soundbite I played earlier. You got a, you got a chance to ask the president of the United States a question, and this is your question. Very simple question. Does the buck stop with you? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. You've got one chance to ask the president a question. The media has been telling the president to grow up, get mature, get responsible, take ownership, uh, make people understand the seriousness of it. He does exactly what the media tells him to do. And and this twerp uh, comes in and says that. Now, a couple of his colleagues actually private messaged me and said, uh, hello, this guy, um, he's he's not the best reporter in the newsroom. So there, there you have it um, from one of his colleagues, no less. And... I think that's true. The The media has been fighting and squabbling and pushing on this for so much and so long and so hard. The president does what they want. And they absolutely, they absolutely can't bring themselves to let it go. And they're discrediting themselves, much like I'm seeing reporters this morning who are pushing the idea that to say Chinese virus or Wuhan virus is racist and xenophobic. Racist and xenophobic. To use Chinese virus. And it's not. In fact, the West Nile virus, the Zika virus, Ebola, uh, the Rocky Mountain fever, the St. Louis encephalitis, uh, you name it. uh, Geographic description has always been part of naming viruses. And it is only the Chinese who have complained about it. And suddenly everyone's up in arms on the American left. It's, It's very telling how quickly the Chinese propaganda talking point that it's racist to refer to it as the Chinese or the Wuhan virus. Uh, has has infested, infected the American media and the political left in this country. The, I mean, the, people are, are literally online screaming about the president released a tweet this morning referring to the Chinese virus, and reporters are literally online having a meltdown over it, as if that's the serious thing to focus on. I'll, I'll tell you the serious thing to focus on, the economy, and what is the president doing, taking a very grown-up tone on this? The stock market took another hit today. Is the U.S. economy heading into a recession? Well, it may be. We're not thinking in terms of recession. We're thinking in terms of the virus. Once we stop I think there's a tremendous pent-up demand, both in terms of the stock market and in terms of the economy. And once this goes away, once it uh, goes through and we're done with it, I think you're going to see a tremendous, a tremendous surge. 
And then there's this about the stock market. Stocks continue to fall today. Would the White House support negative rates? Best thing I can do for the stock market is we have to get through this crisis. That's what I can do. That's the best thing we can do. That's what I think about. Uh, once, uh, once this virus is gone, uh, I think you're going to have a stock market like nobody's ever seen before. That's the answer that he needed to give. And that's the answer that he gave. And so what has the press done? They've immediately moved on to screaming about Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus. It's really hard to take these people seriously. It is really, really, really hard to take these people seriously. Uh, and, and of course, they're going to demand to be taken seriously. And they're going to claim that any of you who say otherwise are racist. But you're not. And it is they, remember, it is they who are peddling Chinese propaganda. Now, Let's get into the bailouts. Uh, the president is going to offer up an $800 billion economic stimulus plan. It's going to include $500 billion in a payroll tax cut, $250 billion in small business loans, and $58 billion for airlines along with other items. Mitt Romney and Tom Cotton in the Senate want $1,000 cash payments to every American uh, without tax, which would help a ton of people. Um, I, I don't know if they want to means test that or not. I'm actually not opposed to means testing. Uh, I, I would be fine without the thousand dollars. If I get it, I will certainly spend it with a small business, uh, in, in one of these breweries or, uh, restaurants in the state of Georgia to make sure that they're taken care of. But I know a lot of people who need it. A lot of people are furloughed or laid off now. Wild Heaven, uh, Nick Purdy from Wild Heaven, the brewery in, in Avondale Mills just texted me and said they've had furlough four employees this morning. But uh, there are more casinos. Uh, you know, the casinos in Las Vegas are shutting down now. Uh, the MGM Grand let it. Uh, the win has followed suit. The others are going to follow suit as well. They're shutting down and they uh, they want bailouts. Never mind that they're laying off employees to save money. Uh, I think the government should probably, if they're going to bail out the casinos, actually bail out the casino employees and not the casinos. The casinos can take care of themselves. Uh, let the casinos deal with this otherwise. The airlines want it. That's somewhat understandable. Airports actually want bailouts. You know, the airports get gate fees, among other things, and they're having difficulty now with the airlines, and they're trying to reduce costs for the airlines and help as much as they can, so they want federal government money. The cruise lines want to bailout as well. I'm not sure we need to be bailing out the cruise lines, although I do understand there are a lot of jobs at stake and it's a huge industry. And then, of course, as I mentioned, you've got Tom Cotton and Mitt Romney both want uh, cash payments uh, to Americans, $1,000 in the pocket of Americans. Not a, particularly for the jobless, I think for people who lose their jobs, I, I think uh, look, I don't need the thousand. I'm, I will gladly take the thousand dollars and I will redirect it uh, where I think appropriate, which I'm fine with doing. But I genuinely do think that those who are furloughed and laid off need it more than me and probably could use more than $1,000. In fact, if you means test it so that the people who are continuing to get paid uh, aren't getting in, the people who aren't getting paid do get it, uh, I give them more. I don't have a problem with that right now. I don't think we should have people having to queue up in unemployment lines right now. We're trying to keep people away from each other. There's no reason to queue up in an unemployment line. You know, by the way, it is going to be interesting, and I want to get into the Georgia stuff in the next hour to see what the governor's going to do. Uh, what is the governor going to do on this? Is the governor going to shut down the Department of Driver Services? And in Texas, for example, Governor Abbott there has told people, stop trying to get your driver's license renewed. We'll just, for the rest of the year, uh, presume your driver's license is good. Uh, same with tag renewals and things like that. It 
In fact, in Texas, like in Georgia, uh, alcohol delivery trucks cannot be food delivery trucks. They got to be separate. In Texas, the governor got rid of that. So alcohol delivery drivers can also deliver uh, groceries to grocery stores, which isn't a bad idea. I didn't know that was a firewall there, but apparently that's very common in states, including here. So there are ways governors can get involved and do these things. It's actually good. And the question is, what's an essential business? Because in a lot of places, including Europe and now here, government is ordering people to ordering businesses to be shut down unless they're essential businesses. And basically, that is gas stations, drugstores, grocery stores and uh, banks. Those are the essential businesses. People got to buy their groceries. People got to buy their gas. People got to get their money and people got to get their drugs. So leave those open and everybody else closes down. That's that's what we're looking at here. Um, as an aside, um, my daughter needed something uh, from the drugstore last night, and I'm really hesitant to go to a CVS or a Walgreens right now. Just just, and I I, I don't mean that bad, but you know, it, it, when I'm sick. One of the first places I go is to the CVS or the Walgreens. I got a CVS just up the street from me. Uh, and I typically, if I need medicine, I go there than to the Publix because the the CVS has a better selection than the Publix does. And right now I'm kind of thinking, I don't want to go there. And at least I know Publix is closing early every night and scrubbing down and then restocking for the morning, which is fantastic. By the way, by the way, by the way, um, it, it, it's, it is uh, worth noting Kroger in Georgia is saying it's hiring people right now. Kroger's going to hire people. They're going to keep open 24 hours a day, and they want to hire more people to keep the uh, shelves stocked more. Also, Amazon is hiring 100,000 people to help with people who are in, in isolation, who need help, uh, who need to get their stuff online. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, so I, I we do our toilet paper and um, paper towel orders through Amazon. It's actually, it winds up, you, you, Amazon has the subscribe option. If you're a Prime member, you can do subscriptions and it's cheaper to get a big box of toilet paper and paper towels delivered every month from Amazon than it is to go to the grocery store. And plus you don't have that big bulky item in your, in your grocery cart when you're trying to fill it up with groceries. So I do it. And yesterday the toilet paper delivered, believe it or not, praise Jesus, the toilet paper came on time. And it was on the front porch. And I thought for the first time ever. I mean, even at Christmas, I don't think this stuff. And, and yesterday, here's this big box of toilet paper. And it is very clearly labeled toilet paper because it's the it is the the commercial manufacturer's um, box. And I'm looking at that thinking, I got to get this off the front porch. Somebody's going to rob me. I, I did think that. <laughs> You think that about Christmas stuff? We had Christmas present uh, boxes on on the front porch and on the side porch. Now we got a little security camera. We can see people coming up and whatnot. We can even talk to people. But I'm thinking yesterday with the toilet paper, I better get this. Is like having gold, a pile of gold coins on my front porch, visible for everyone. It's like having a spotlight and, and a sign with an arrow pointing towards it. Hey, get your gold right here. I, I was just uh, having the toilet paper on the front porch. But you know the other thing, I put a picture of it up on Instagram. And there was a weekend's worth of pollen. There is a weekend's worth of pollen on my front porch right now. And it's gross. Pollen is covering everything. I mean, it, it is the trees are peeing on everything. It is, it's gross. That, that yellow film everywhere. 
And so people's allergies are going to be flared up. And as people's allergies get flared up, people are going to be worried uh, that they got the coronavirus when, in fact, all they got is allergies. Uh, and now, how do you tell the difference, by the way? It's a great question, and people keep asking it. In, in large part, although the the, the COVID-19 virus um it can cause congestion. In fact, it, it does typically cause a lot of fluid and phlegm buildup in your lungs. But initially, as this thing is getting started, if you got fluid in your ears and gunk sliding down the back of your throat and your nose is congested, you've got allergies or you got a head cold. If you got fever and a dry cough, you've probably got the virus. There's a, the, the, the dry cough and the fever are the most common signs for the virus. And of course, a bunch of snot in your nose is a sign that you just got standard Georgia allergies. That's the difference. Well, there's some good news here in addition to Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. <laughs> You know, can I, can I just say as an aside here, I, 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 those of you who listen to me regularly understand I'm not the biggest sports fan. I'm not. I, I, I do like to watch my kid play soccer. I do like to watch, uh, go to a baseball game. Uh, I, 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 I do not go to uh, the TP enough to watch the Braves play. And by the way, they've indefinitely postponed uh, Major League Baseball now. I don't even know if it's going to happen this year or if it's going to be in a bridge season. But uh, nonetheless, um, it is it's it's amazing to me that well, I I knew it was going to happen. And and again, I'm not a huge sports fan. I do love college football, Uh, UGA and LSU, the SEC, basically the SEC. It's it's God's teams anyway. Uh, You know, if you know, if when Jesus comes back at the second coming, he's coming back as an SEC fan. Um, Nonetheless, uh, sorry, Georgia Tech fans. Um, But. At the beginning of this past NFL season, there were a series of profiles of Tom Brady, most notably, I believe, in Sports Illustrated, but ESPN Magazine did one as well, about Brady coming back and he wants to play. And, and it was about his fitness routine and how fit he is and how awesome he is and and what he eats and what he doesn't eat and, and how much the the entire team is it revolves around him and he's got so much power at the team and Brady's going to be there forever. And I just, I read these profiles of Tom Brady and I thought, this is an act of hubris. This guy is not going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I said as much on my radio show last year, uh, before this one started, uh, my, my evening show, I said as much that there's no way reading these profiles that uh, the, the Patriots are going to make it to the Super Bowl. And the reason that I, I firmly believe that at the time is because these pieces read like propaganda. And if you got a, if you're a football team, and you've got to peddle that much propaganda about your aging quarterback. You're worried. I mean, I, I don't need to be a sports ball expert to be able to tell you that when you see that level of propaganda out there, you're probably worried. You are probably concerned. You are probably needing to uh, reassure your fans and everyone else in the, on the on the planet that your guy is okay. Never mind his age. Uh, look at all this other stuff. And, and, but when you read it, there were some serious problems um, that uh, Belichick and, and Brady were at odds with each other on a number of things. Players were getting mixed messages. Uh, backup quarterbacks were scared to go to the Patriots because they were afraid that they would feel um, make Tom Brady feel threatened and their careers would be ruined when they were just getting started in the NFL. It was really an amazing piece of hubris uh, to, to read some of these things. And it was kind of a big red flag that, that Tom Brady actually can't admit he's past his prime. But he's going to go somewhere else. And it's going to be funny to watch another team embrace Tom Brady 
and see the what the Patriots do. What what do the Patriots fans do? Uh, you know, comfortably smug on Twitter. If, if you're on social media and you're not following comfortably smug, you really need to. <laughs> Yeah. He had a tweet up a little while ago that it's about time Patriots fans or people in, in New England need to define themselves as something other than Patriots fans. <laughs> true, true. Now, in other good news, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson are out of the hospital. Uh, their cases of coronavirus were mild. Uh, they are still in Australia where I think he's been filming a movie. And, but they're out of the hospital. Their, their son has sent word that they are doing fine and they are recovered. Uh, they had a couple of rough days in the hospital, but they are doing fine, which is good news. Idris Elba, um, who I hope is the future James Bond, he is uh, having trouble and has been diagnosed as positive. He's in good health. Hopefully he will have a mild case of it as well. Uh, and be able to get on. There are a lot of people now who are starting to have, you know, I've been telling you guys that the mild case is, is still pretty rough. And increasingly we're finding in the Western data sets that actually there are a lot of people who are getting it, uh, even adults who get it and have really mild cases uh, or no symptoms at all. And in fact, uh, most of the kids who are testing positive for it have no, no symptoms at all. Uh, But uh, some people, it goes very bad on them and they can't figure out why it's working well for some people and not for other people there. We just don't have the scientific data. There is one small silver lining piece of good news that I can tell you for sure. I've been cautioning you for about two weeks now that we do not have enough data yet to say that this virus will start to fade as the weather warms up. But increasingly, it does appear that's going to be the case. It does appear there is there is now a whole lot of data coming actually out out of tropical countries that are facing this that it is not spreading in warm countries Uh, above 80 degrees. It's having a hard time spreading. And we should actually be grateful for that as warm weather is headed our way here soon here in the southeast. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Are you stir-crazy yet? Are you stir-crazy yet? A a lot of people certainly are. Goodness gracious. Um... I'm just, I'm hearing from all sorts of people and you are more than welcome to call if you need. Again, 877-973-7425. Remember your local restaurants and breweries and and the like, Uh, your local retailers. They are uh, on hard times right now. And if you've got the option to choose between a local restaurant that started doing delivery or a chain, please opt for your local restaurant. And, And I realize that a lot of the chain restaurants are franchise and those two are going to have issues, but they do have corporate parents that can step in and assist uh, one way or the other, as opposed to your local mom and pop. So uh, keep keep stuff like that in mind, please. Seriously, um, people are on hard times. Let me bring you up to speed on what's happening nationwide and in Georgia right now. Keep in mind, the Georgia Department of Public Health uh, does not update uh, on a, on a uh, constant basis. What it does is it updates at noon every day the data, but... Um, if you go to the Johns Hopkins site to get the data, uh, you can find out, let's see, for example, the United States right now has 4,661, uh, COVID-19 cases. And they say in Georgia, we are up to 120 cases, uh, 121 total with one dead, leaving 120 active cases. Now, why no recoveries? Recovery's only gone up to 17 
The reason is because to be designated as officially recovered, a person must be retested and, and test negative. The United States, until tomorrow, has very limited testing capacity. Uh, I'm starting to get emails, by the way, uh, from like uh, LabCorp and Quest and, and various uh, health outlets noting that they are now getting in their testing supplies as needed. Uh, they should be at better capacity tomorrow. In fact, we're probably going to see a spike in the numbers because so many more people are going to start getting tested. Caution, if you're not having symptoms, don't go get tested. Let people who are having symptoms get tested. Uh, don't overwhelm the system with a rush out. But uh, the reason we don't have a lot of recovered people right now in the United States is not because we don't have recovered people. It's because they're not being tested. And since they're not being tested, they got no more symptoms. They got no more fever. They're clearly no longer contagious, but they're not being tested. So they're not in the file. Now, uh, where do we go here as this virus continues to spread? It's very interesting to watch this thing go up 85. Uh, from uh, from the, the LaGrange area in Troop County uh, all the way up now to Hall County, we, we've got a spread. Let me let me give you the numbers here. I'm going to start in South Georgia. In, in Charlton County, there's one. In Lowndes County, there are now three. There, were, there was just one. There are now three. Uh, on the 11th, one was tested, and now we've got uh, the 15th and 16th one. In Darty County, there are six. In uh, Lee County, there are two. Now, let's let's get closer to Atlanta now. In LaGrange, that's Troop County, there's one. In Coweta County, there are two. In Fayette County, there are five. In Clayton County, there are five. In Henry County, there are two. In Newton County, that's Covington, there is one. In Fulton County, there are 27 cases now. In DeKalb County, there are 10. In Gwinnett County, there are five. In Hall County, there's one. In Forsyth County, there is one. In Cherokee County, there are seven. In Cobb County, there are 22. In Paulding County, there's one. In Polk County, there's one. In Floyd County, there are four. In Gordon County, there are two. In Bartow County, there are nine. And then all the way over into to Clark County, Athens, there are three people. Now, uh, the Augusta area is not listed yet, Columbia and Richmond County. Uh, but there are two cases over there that we now know of. One of them is actually running for DA in uh, Evans. Um it is uh, Evans attorney Jason Hasty is presumptively positive. That's why he's not listed yet. It had, the test hasn't come back yet, uh, but he's presumptively positive. The, the state is only listing um, the, the state is only listing confirmed positives, not presumptively positive. That's why the state number differs from the Johns Hopkins number. D Johns Hopkins is going with presumed positive numbers. Hasty is, is one of the two uh, Republican nominees for the Augusta Circuit DA, uh, and he went to the Church of Liberty Square in Cartersville on March 1st and on March 8th. He had been in the area helping uh, care for his father who died of leukemia on March 1st. Now, what is interesting there is, is that is in Bartow County where there are nine cases, and in Bartow County, it was mostly at a church. Uh, people went to that Church of Liberty Square. Someone there had the infection, and it spread among the congregants. If you're wondering why so many churches are avoiding meeting, that is why. Consider the case uh, down in Darty County. In Darty County, someone came in from out of state for a funeral, 
was contagious and didn't realize it. And now all these cases from Darty and Lee County down there, most, I shouldn't say all, but most of them are traced back to people who attended that funeral with that individual who's now been transported to a hospital in Atlanta um, because they've had a severe case of COVID-19. And there are now 40 some odd people in the Albany area who they expect to test positive. We should be seeing a spike in that. Again, part of the delay here are is the test. Now, if you're just tuning in, I should tell you, there's been a lot of speculation on warm weather or hot weather. And there is more evidence, a growing body of evidence that in fact, uh, that is going to have an impact. Uh, that warm weather is going to have an impact. Now, it's it's not going to have a, a complete impact. I mean, because consider this in Malaysia, which is always hot. There are 566 cases. And in Singapore, there are 243 cases. And in India, 129 cases. In fact, in India, there's some, some, uh, some are perplexed as to why the cases are not spreading fast in India, given how congested it is and how poor the healthcare is there. And some people are, are speculating it does have to do with the temperature. But we're not completely sure yet. We do not know. And it's spreading through most of Africa now as well. Um, but again, Australia has been hot. Australia has been very hot. And Australia has hundreds of cases. New South Wales has 210 cases. Um, but, uh, and then Western Australia has 31 cases, but still, uh, compared to a number of, of temperate climates, it's not nearly as bad as, uh, what people thought the, the, the hardest hit is still Italy and China, uh, China with 81,580, uh, five, or I'm sorry, 81,058 cases in Italy. Now 27,980 cases, serious state of crisis in Italy, over 2000 people have died in Italy. Uh, which is deeply troubling, um, and the Italian healthcare system is melting down over it. Now, what's going on in Georgia? Well, in Georgia, we've got a number of places that are shutting down altogether, imposing curfews. The governor, of course, has ordered all public schools, elementary, secondary, and post-secondary to close down. Uh, in, um, in most courts in Georgia are now closing down. The Georgia Supreme Court Chief Justice Harold Melton has said there is a um, there is an emergency in place and courts are going to be restricted. The Athens Clark County Commission has limited public gatherings. Uh, WGAU over there uh, has the report up. The Athens Clark County Commission met in a special called session to discuss how to react to the coronavirus. The commission approved a limit on public gatherings of 10 or more in restaurants, bars, and places of entertainment, as well as on public property or buildings owned by the county. In addition, they adopted a voluntary shelter-in-place for the county, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. every day. It's voluntary. It is not mandated. Uh, in Brookhaven, Georgia, they've largely shut things down, uh, closing restaurants and bars. Uh, nine doctors now have tested positive for coronavirus, according to Sanjay Gupta at CNN. Um, and this is this is nationwide, not just here. Um, but we've also got the, the people at the CDC are impacted by it. Uh, people at uh, Grady Hospital uh, are. I know it actually is in Georgia. Nine nine hospital doctors have tested positive for COVID nineteen here in Georgia. And this continues to spread. Now, um, by the way, there are rumors afoot about martial law. And I keep getting people reaching out to me and saying, hey, I hear Governor Kemp is going to impose martial law. 
San Francisco is on a lockdown, but I please do calm down uh, uh, about this rumor of martial law. Governor Kemp has declared a public health emergency in Georgia. He's got all sorts of resources. He has not imposed the military uh, to crack down in the United States. Uh, martial law has only been implemented once in the United States at a national level during the Civil War, on a regional level once during World War II. Um, otherwise, it, it's been limited to states. Uh, states can impose the, the military. The, pre, the the governor has called out the National Guard to help assist. Uh, but please calm down. There are so many rumors out there right now, and, and so much of this is not true. St. Patrick's Day Mass has been canceled in Savannah. It is St. Patrick's Day today. I know while all of you are... Um, confined at home. You don't realize that you're not even wearing green, uh, but it is St. Patrick's day today. And they're shutting, they're shutting down mass at St. Joseph's cathedral in, in Savannah, as well as the St. Patrick's day parade canceled. I actually have a couple of friends who went down to St. Patrick to Savannah to, for the festivities. And they're basically stuck in their hotel rooms with nothing to do. Kroger, you should know is going to stay open. Um, Kroger in Georgia and South Carolina, they're not cutting their hours due to the coronavirus. In fact, they intend to expand some hiring. They're encouraging people to apply for jobs. Walmart, Publix, Wegmans, Trader Joe's, other grocery store chains have decided to limit hours so they can disinfect stores and restock shelves. Kroger said some of its stores are adjusting hours based on local circumstances in Kentucky, Tennessee, and Texas. Uh, but uh, And Harris Teeter, which is owned by Kroger, is adjusting hours. But uh, regular grocery store... Um, uh, Kroger's say their supply chain is strong. And that's one thing you need to understand here. I do actually want to move on to other stuff because I really am tired to talk about the virus, but there's a lot of it to cover today. But that's one thing you do need to understand, please, is I see a lot of blue check marked people on Twitter. And do you understand what the blue check mark is? So Twitter is is the social media phenomenon that that most Americans are not on. And people on Twitter are convinced that everyone is on Twitter. There are people, I am one, who have blue check marks. They are considered uh, people of note, people of expertise, people to pay attention to, whatever you want to call. And there are a lot of them who are spreading a lot of fear. They're all they're, These are the people who are out there all upset about uh, the phrase, um, the, the, the phrase Wuhan virus or Chinese virus being spread. It, absolutely nonsense. But. There are a number of them out there now talking about how we're going to have we are going to have martial law. We're going to have people shut down. Uh, people are going to be confined to their homes. People are going to to be punished. People aren't going to be out of their houses. We're going to run out of food. Food's going to be rationed. We're not going to have gas. We're not going to have money. There are a lot of people saying a lot of things out there, and they are all full of it. Um, it, it, we, we actually need these people to take use of their toilet paper because they are so full of it. Our supply chains are actually really good in this country. The majority of our food in this country is actually produced in this country. The majority of gasoline sold in this country is actually produced now in this country. We are a net exporter now of gasoline products. So you don't have to worry about filling up your car. There's no reason to panic. You don't have to worry about finding food. Now, I realize people are going in in great waves to grocery stores and they're buying everything out. But that's going to subside because people, they're stocking up their fridges. I mean, what we're seeing right now is the panic buying. As we get into this routine over the next week, this is going to slow down as people develop now a normal cycle and realize, hey, the supply chain is fine. Right now, there are a lot of people listening to all the the, the blue checkmark people out there. We're all going to die. 
No, actually, everybody's going to be fine. Just stay home. Some people are going to the grocery store because they're they're nervous and they're nervous shoppers and they go to the grocery store and buy stuff just to calm themselves down. They need to stop it. The rest of you are going to be fine. There will be groceries. There will be food. There will be bread. All of these things, our supply chain is fine. Please understand the supply chain for food is fine. The supply chain for milk is fine. The supply chain for eggs is fine. The supply chain for gasoline is fine. The supply chain for most American pharmaceuticals is fine. All of these things are fine. So there's no reason for people to panic at this point. This is something new none of us have ever experienced before. But all of the data out there shows everything is okay in terms of these supply chains. We're not going to have to worry about it. Now, the situation could change. Maybe there's a hacker, something like that. I, I don't know. But right now, everything's okay. There's no reason to freak out about it. Uh, you can go to the grocery store. You will find stuff. You don't need to overbuy stuff. Yes, you need to shelter in place. But running into the grocery store, coming out, uh, lathering up in hand sanitizer, washing your hands, Purell wipes at the doors. Our local public says hand sanitizer wipes. You can get them when you come in. You can get them when you go out. You can wipe stuff down. You're going to be okay, folks. God's still on the throne. Don't panic. We'll be fine. It is 25 after the hour, and the phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. By the way, I think this works with every station I'm on. I think it works with every station I'm on. You know you can tell Alexa or, or your Google device or your Siri device to listen to the station uh, that, that I'm on. Just just know the call letters, uh, and you can tell, for example, our flagship is WGAU in, in Athens, so you can say, Alexa, listen to WGAU Radio, or hey, Siri, listen to WGAU Radio, or hey, Google, listen to WGAU Radio. You can do the same, uh, I believe, up in, in Clarksville at WCHM. Um, you can do it with WRGA in Rome and in uh, WMAC in Macon and, and any of the others that were on. My apologies for not giving you all a shout-out, but you get my point. Uh, your local radio station, if you're, if you're shutting your house, and you need information, you just want some background noise, frankly, to keep you company in the quiet of your house so your mind's not spinning, you can do that with your smart device and listen here to the local radio station where you're going to get updated news throughout the day anyway. Just just keep that in mind. Yes, it's shameless self-promotion, but also I know people get stir-crazy in their house, in the quiet, in the solitude. Your, Your thoughts creep in. Now, let's talk about our local restaurants again, real quick. I mentioned this in the first hour. Um, there are a lot of small businesses in our state and nationwide who, given the situations we are facing, are on hard times. I know, for example, Wild Heaven, uh, the brewery in Atlanta has had to furlough some employees. Reformation Brewery is, I believe Monday night is, is going to have to do something similar. I saw Ford Fry, the, the chef and restaurateur in Atlanta, has posted a number of his restaurants are moving to to-go and they're having to uh, let go some employees right now. Uh, if you can shop, you know, people always say shop local. And honestly, a lot of times chains are more convenient. You get more selection at a Dillard's, for example, than your local mom and pop clothing store. And I get that. But when it comes to food, when it comes to your local restaurants, uh, these are people in your community. They could use some help. And many of them are going to to go ordering right now. And I, I, I cannot encourage you enough. 
If you're willing to get out of your house and go pick up food or use DoorDash or something like that, if you've got it in your area to deliver food, uh, consider supporting your local restaurants if they're doing to go right now. Consider financially supporting. Go buy a gift certificate. Uh, go online if you can. Call them if you can. Uh, whatever you need to do if you don't want to go into the store, if you really don't want to leave your house. Just please remember that your local businesses are on hard times right now because people can't leave their houses. They don't want to leave their house. You know, I, I'm, I mentioned I go to a, a gym here in Macon, uh, towel training, and young guy bought the business. I think he's 29. Uh, great, great guy. I uh, have thoroughly enjoyed going, and I'm I, I and you know I hate going to CrossFit, and it's kind of a CrossFit. They, they've dropped CrossFit from the name because they do more than CrossFit there, uh, and, and I, I I I despise going to the gym, and yet I love going to this gym, and now I'm I can't go, I can't leave the house. Uh, we given my wife's situation, we just both made the decision we're just going to bunker down, we're not going to go anywhere. Neither of us will go to our gyms because we don't know what other people are doing in the gyms. And I, I got just got charged for the coming month, and there are going to be several weeks where I know I'm not using it. And I just like, dude, bill me. Uh, you need the money more than I do right now. Keep keep your. I want to be able to go back to that gym when all of this is over. I, I want it to still be in business. I want my favorite restaurant to be in business uh, when I am ready to go back to it. I'm I'm ready to go back to it, and and I want them to be in business. And I assume many of you are the same way. Not everybody can. Not everybody has the means to. If you can step up, step up. If you can, be proactive with it. I, I want to spend a little bit of time on this when we come back. Particularly, I, I keep seeing all these churches wringing their hands saying, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, preachers, what, what am I going to do? People can't come to church on Sunday. Well, you know, you, you, you're standing behind your, your pulpit on Sunday is not actually just the church. Uh, there are plenty of other ways to share the gospel out there. Let, let's let's talk about some of the things we as people in these times can do to help other people when we're all stuck at home. Community still matters, even though we got to socially distance from each other. We'll explore it here in just a moment. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, should you like to be a part of the program. And it is just, it, it's kind of, it's not raining here in Macon where I am, but it's just not good. Um, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's cooler, it's, it's kind of bleh. I do believe that's the technical term. They're really now up in North Georgia along the Tennessee and North Carolina line. There's some heavy rain up there. Dalton, it is raining up there. Uh, Blairsville, Hiawassee, Blue Ridge, that whole area. You got rain, rain. And is it moving north, south, east, west? It is moving to the east, to the east. Um, it'll be heading over towards Clayton and Tiger here in a little bit. Uh, but the rest of us, we're fine right now. It's just... I don't know. It's it's. I would like it to be warmer and blue skies at this point. If I got to be home and I can't go to the gym, so that means I'm doing a lot of walking outside. But so is everybody else. How are we supposed to socially distance when the rest of you people are walking around the neighborhood as well? I have no idea. It's something to consider. Now, what can you do? I have seen in the last, gosh, um, really since Sunday, when churches started closing around the country, there have been a number of pastors I have seen like, what do we do? What do we do? People can't come to church. What do we do? We're worried about people uh, losing interest in church. Here's the thing. And let, let me go on a, on a, a just random COVID-19 related but not direct uh, tirade. One of the worst aspects of our 21st century life now is our loss of local community. 
There are a number of people I know who they don't go to church anymore. They just listen to the podcast of their favorite preacher. And as long as their favorite preacher is telling them the things they want to hear, they keep they keep tuning into it. And the moment they hear something they don't like, they go find a new preacher on a podcast. They don't actually go, they don't, they don't darken the door of a church. And we increasingly are finding in society that people are losing their sense of local community. You know, that that's one of the, the issues. People, for example, tune to podcasts. So I can, on a daily basis, come into this program. And I've got a podcast. If you want the podcast, text show to 33777. We repackage this program as a podcast. So you can listen to it later on demand if you need to. But I prefer you to listen to it live. And when I started this program, by the way, uh, I, I've been wanting to do this for a couple of years. And I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit for you. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually making any money off this. I'm actually losing money. Uh, well, I'm, my goal is to get advertisers. We've got one, Chris Burns, uh, who's a friend. He is my financial advisor, and he sponsors the program. He fills in for me on occasion. And uh, so Dynamic Money is, is our advertiser at the network level. You hear ads on your local radio stations, and all that money is your local radio station ads. It's not our ads. And it's, it, it, it's just it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm willing to do it because I want to grow a radio program. But when I got started, uh, back at, when I really started sinking into this at the beginning of last year and, and trying to plot out how to do it, I kept running into uh, just do a podcast, do a podcast. Everybody's doing a podcast. You can make a lot of money off a podcast, do a podcast. I didn't want to do a freaking podcast. I wanted to do a radio program. I wanted to have my voice out there live across the country. I still want to wear a Georgia program. I want to be a, a, a nationwide program. Uh, I want to build this program because there's a difference between being live on the radio and a podcast. I can come in and I can interview the governor. He, he he's statewide here in Georgia. Now that's one of the great benefits. Uh, Brian Kemp will come on or, or Jeff Duncan will come on and Point by point, we can cover the news of the day, the things that are happening then and now, uh, and you you do not have that luxury with the podcast. I can come in here and I can tell you we got tw- 122 cases of the virus here in Georgia, and you wait until next week to listen to this podcast. Well, it's going to be completely out of date. I can give you relevant news now. When one of you needs help right now, you can call in and we can talk about it, and and, and we got it right here and now. I like the relevance. I like the timeliness. I don't want to do a podcast. If you need to listen on demand, we make it available so you can. But I want to do live radio and build a community with listeners who are live. One of the things we've lost in our digital age is community. That's why I like radio so much. Radio is the most intimate form of communication in mass media. Because... The only thing you have to pay attention to is my voice, for better or worse. I mean, let's be honest, y'all. I got a voice. I got a face for radio, but I got a voice for print. And yet you listen to me anyway. But we lose that connection. With, with a podcast, you don't have that connection with the host. Here I am, you know, five days a week. You tune in at 9.06 a.m. And you've got me until noon every weekday. And we'll talk about the news of the day and we'll work in some other stuff so it's not too heavy for you. We'll talk about life. We'll talk about, my gosh, my kids are home. We're trying to do homeschooling right now, something we never wanted to do. And yet we've all become homeschool parents now. What do we do? Thankfully, we, we got a great, great neighbor network of homeschool families that that can, can get us in pattern and practice and trying to explain to my kids like with dad. When I was just doing radio in the evening, I could sleep until nine or ten and get up and go along with the day. And, and I might shower right before my show in the afternoon and I finally was realizing oh my goodness I got to get back into a pattern I got to get up in the morning and act like you know when I was a lawyer 
I worked in downtown Macon at a law firm, Sella Milton, for a number of years. And then I started working from home, running the website, redstate.com. And for the longest time, I kid you not, I would still get up every morning and I would get a shower and I would get dressed as if I was going to the office. I, I wouldn't put on a suit anymore, but a, a nice pants and a polo shirt. And I would sit at my desk and I would work. And by God, I had a real job. And over time, that kind of slowed down. And I'd stay in my shorts and t-shirt that I'd got up and put on. Might get a shower eventually. Just caffeinate and work. And just, um, just, 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 man, um, it fell out of habits. So trying to get my kids to, to stay in their habits now that they're home from school is, is get up in the morning uh, and act like you're going to school. You don't have to get up at, at, at 645 because you don't have to worry about a commute or anything, but get up in the morning and, and stay in habit, stay in habit. And you do this and you get better focus. But along the way in our digital lives, one of the things that's happened is a, while, while so many of us now are working at home and we got to be careful we don't lose routines, we are losing the routines of community. We're losing how to have conversations with the friend next door or the stranger next door. We're, we're losing how to connect to the people on the street. We're, we're losing our sense of purpose within our own community because we're, we're building our own communities online. I mean, you go on Facebook, I guarantee you, every single one of you, you've got Facebook friends who think and look like you. You Outside of your family members, some of whom you may have muted, your Facebook friends more likely than not agree with you on pretty much everything. And when you have disagreements, they are minor disagreements, typically about personalized taste. But when it comes to politics and religion, by God, all your friends online are just like you. I know it's true. You don't have to admit it. We know it. One of the issues is we have begun to build digital communities and the people are the people that we invite in, intentionally invite in, and they look like us or they sound like us or they think like us. Whereas your local community isn't nearly as white as your Facebook friends probably or as black as your Facebook friends, depending on your race. It's not nearly as churched as your friends or, or unchurched, depending on who you are. It's not nearly as Republican or nearly as conservative or nearly as liberal or nearly as Democrat, depending on who you are and what your community looks like online. Way more diversity in your real community. And you've completely unplugged from it. You, you have distanced yourself from your community in a way that becomes problematic because you engage online. And you know what? You, let's say you get the virus. It ain't going to be your Facebook friends who are delivering meals to your house. It's not going to be your, your Twitter followers who are delivering you groceries. It's not going to be your Snapchat friends who are coming to water your plants if you're in the hospital. It's going to be your actual community. And so into that come, comes the church right now. And, and we've got a, a lot of pastors out there who are kind of flummoxed. What do we do? I can't preach on Sunday. What do we do? Do we do a live stream, go into the empty church and preach and, and do the live stream? You can do that. But there's more you can do as well. You know, being in church on Sunday, you're, you're supposed to share the gospel. 
And th- this is not catered just to to people of faith here. Please, please don't misunderstand me. It, it really is to everyone. But I'm seeing this with a lot of preachers online. Or just what do I do? What do I do? Church is closed on Sunday. Uh, how do we have an impact? Well, the God, let me introduce you to the gospel of sweat equity. You know, Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, but he also fed the 5,000. Jesus preached in the synagogue, but he also washed people's feet. Jesus gave people living water, but he also gave the physically thirsty actual water. What what you doing? What you doing, pastor? You expecting people to come to you? Go to them. Jesus didn't expect everybody to come to him. He went to them. And I, I seriously, genuinely believe that in this sort of situation, you've got to develop community offline. This is a perfect opportunity for your church, for your neighborhood, for your family to begin again with a sense of community. Now, it may be you got to talk to somebody on the other side of the door. It it may very well be that. It may very well be that you can't go in their house, but you might be able to. You might be able to buy groceries for someone you know, if I were if I were running a church, what I would suggest is that our church get with all the other churches and each of our churches pick a small business in town, pick a restaurant in town and say, our church is going to adopt this restaurant. Our church is going to adopt this restaurant. If you're Baptist, pick a brewery, just, just for the irony of it. Pick, pick a local brewery. Kidding, not really, but yeah. Uh, but pick, pick a small business and say, our church is going to adopt this business and we're going to help this business stay afloat right now. Not everybody can do it. Not every church can do it. But if you can, you should. Don't just take care of your congregation. Take care of your community. Seek the welfare of your community. And if you can gather with your friends and you can do things like that, do it. Build local community. You've got the perfect opportunity now to go spread the gospel, not behind a pulpit, not with a live stream, but person to person, face to face, or door to door. Make sure those people in your neighborhood, if you're a pastor, You live in a neighborhood, and the odds are you live in a neighborhood with people who don't actually go to your church. You are their neighbor. What does scripture say? Love your neighbor. Go next door. Make sure that person's doing okay. If you're a deacon or an elder at your church, you do the same thing. Go next door. Make sure that person's okay. Do these things. Go go make sure they're okay. Go see if they need anything. Make sure, have they lost their job? Are they laid off? Do they need assistance? Can the church provide some assistance to get them through it? If not your church, their church, what church do they go to? Can you reach out to the pastor of their church and make sure that they have some sort of uh, network of people who can help them? The churches are supposed to take care of their own and then take care of their community. There are a lot of people who are in Georgia are going to be furloughed, are going to be laid off. What is your church doing to help the people in your congregation in that situation? And here's the thing. Most of those people are not going to ask because because most of those people don't believe it's the burden of the church. Most of those people do not believe it's the burden of their friends. Most of those people do not believe it's anybody's burden but their own. Life sucks. It's not fair. This has happened to me, and yet the church is supposed to help take care of them. Yes, the church actually is supposed to be a social safety welfare net for the members of the congregation and for others when they've taken care of the congregation. If your church can do it now, some churches are small. Some churches can't do it. Some churches are unable financially to be able to do these things, and I get it. 
but there are other ways you can serve. You can take a meal to someone. You may not be able to pay so all of someone's bills, but maybe you can make their mortgage or their rent. You may not be able to do it for everyone. Who's, who's in the worst situation in your church? Can you help that person? You can't help everybody in your church, but can you help the person in the worst situation? You know, you, you got to be able to make these decisions. You can't say, well, I can't help everybody, so I'm going to help nobody. That's not the way this works, folks. It's not the way it works for anybody. I use the church as an example, but I mean this broadly for all of you. There are people and businesses out there who are going to be hurting in ways that may be worse than you. Can you be charitable? Don't make them rely on the government. Most of you people listening right now want smaller government. And I'm always shocked for all these people who say, I want smaller government. I want smaller government. Oh, no, I'm not going to help them. That's the government's job. No, you want smaller government. You got to step up and do it. You got to be charitable. Seek the welfare of the city in which you live. Pray for it. There you'll find your welfare. That's sound advice. Whether whether you believe in God or not, whether you're an atheist, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Zoroastrian, Buddhist, whatever, that's good sound advice. Seek the welfare of the city in which you live, and there you'll find your welfare. Pray for it if you're the praying type. But build local community now. This is a brilliant opportunity. While we're all stuck in our houses and we're not supposed to have interaction with people, it's actually counterintuitively a brilliant way to start building physical, meaningful local community again in ways that we have all turned ourselves out from it. You can't have your big church gathering. You can't gather with 10 or more people, but you can start picking up the phone. There are a lot of people who are home with their kids right now who are going stir crazy already and it's only been two days. Having someone from the church call and just say, hey, you doing okay? Do you need anything? We got people going to the grocery store. We've made a list of people who are going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? Do you have toilet paper? We got toilet paper. Do you have toilet paper? You can't come to church. We got some of the industrial one-ply stuff. It's not great, but we can give it to you if you need it. Now is your time to step up. Don't wring your hands that nobody can come to church on Sunday. Take church to them. Now, I don't mean the sermon. I mean the gospel of sweat equity. Go actually take care of your neighbors, folks. Check on them. Make sure everybody's doing okay. You know, my wife, given her situation with, with cancer, can't get out of the house for sure. We've got a, a great neighbor who stepped up the other day and said, hey, if you guys need anything, I know y'all can't get out. If I go to the grocery store, you need something, let me know. That's real community. And it's something we're missing and something that this crisis, this situation th- has a real genuine opportunity to be able to, to help us reopen doors and reconnect with people and rebuild relationships or build new relationships and show people we care. History shows that through every crisis and panic and plague, it is the Christian churches who have stood up in the communities and taken care of all the people, not just the congregants of the church. And we should be doing that again. Doesn't matter which church you are. Adopt a small business. Take care of a family. Help them make ends meet. The more you can, the better. And it doesn't have to be your... Take care of your congregation for certain, but other people in the community as well. Step up. If you believe in smaller government, you should not be making these people rely on government. You should be the people in the community that others look to. Now is your chance. Stop complaining about the way uh, this country is starting to treat people of faith and show the country how people of faith treat the country.
All right, this is kind of cool. Welcome back. By the way, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Also, uh, if you want to get the Johns Hopkins University uh, monitor of, of how the virus is spreading, as well as now the White House has issued guidelines, they want people, and I'm going to get back into this in detail here at the top of the hour. I'll do a little bit of reset on this, uh, on limiting crowd size and discretionary travel. If you text the word data to 33777, you're going to get a link to some Something I wrote uh, on a site called Substack and Substack is actually I, I've started doing this little newsletter and it, it's seven bucks if you want a subscription, but a, a number of the things I'm making freely available to folks it, it, when it comes to the uh, coronavirus stuff, I, I wanted to make sure that everybody has it. Uh, so if you text data to 33777. You'll go back a link to something I wrote yesterday and in it, there's the Johns Hopkins link. There is the link to the, uh, to the president's guidelines. It's a PDF that CNN is hosting for everybody to see. Uh, you'll be able to get my thoughts on, on this stuff as well. And, and if you subscribe, you'll get uh, some really deep dive in depth stuff on a regular basis. I hope you'll consider subscribing. Actually, I, I mentioned uh, how we're doing this radio show. We don't have a ton of advertisers. It's a great, great way for you to get some benefit out of helping us continue the show right now as we continue to build our advertisers. So please consider doing that. Text the word data to 33777. Ben Gibbard, uh, he is the lead singer uh, for Death Cab for Cutie. If you have no idea who Death Cab for Cutie is, it's okay. I have a buddy who is a huge, huge fan of Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, and it's actually, they're, they're, they're a good band. Um, they, they've got some good songs. I like them. But nonetheless, um, so Ben Gibbard is playing live concerts, acoustic concerts, every day over the next several weeks at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Pacific time. So so um, 4, 5, 6, 7 p.m. Eastern time every day. He's going to be doing this as everyone is in self-quarantine and he's in self-quarantine too, as the government has requested. And so he's doing this concert. I suspect we're going to see more and more of this. I've seen a number of other celebrities now uh, deciding they're going to do live stream things online to interact with people uh, during this. And it's not a bad idea. It's another way to build community. Now, the downside again is, is there's a lot of digital community. And you need some real world community. It's very hard to build real world community uh, at a time like this, but it's there. It is possible. Now, uh, other story. This is so, so stupid. Uh, speaking of all these social media platforms, you, you know, I am technically now an influencer. Did you know that I'm an influencer? I have more than 11,000 followers on Instagram and a blue check mark on Instagram, which means I am technically an influencer an influencer is someone who put can put something on social media typically they're paid for I, I don't do that but i know people who do who will put up a product say oh i just love this product and really they're getting paid under the table i don't do that i promise if you ever see me do it i make it very clear um it's either i, I am doing an ad with someone like omaha steaks now i'm an omaha steaks customer but they ask me to put stuff on social media and i'll say hey i'm endorsing them on radio i really am a customer though or like I put up stuff with Chris Burns uh, for Dynamic Money. I've said seriously, he actually is my financial advisor. He's a great guy. You should go use him. It's not an ad. Well, uh, a TikTok star—that's the Chinese uh, surveillance uh, app that American kids use. She licked an airplane toilet seat in a coronavirus challenge, and she is apparently an influencer. God have mercy on all of us.
good lord a, a cbs news reporter is outraged outraged i tell you outraged uh, she is of asian descent chinese born west virginian and someone were at the white house referred to the coronavirus as the kung flu and she is seriously upset about it i'm proud of whoever did it <laughs> i am proud of of whoever did it. i i i th- this whole idea that it's racist um is just a bunch of it, it it makes people think about that we got people dying all over the world from a virus that came out of china the chinese are actually paying propagandists to go around the world say nope nope what us and the american media and the left are like you're racist for pointing out it came from china how dare you absolutely absurd um uh really absurd by the way at one o'clock today governor kemp is going to be holding a press conference i will obviously not be on the radio by then uh but stay tuned for that no idea what he's going to do please please i just want to go to the beach in two weeks please don't shut down travel governor please um we, we will find out uh we will cover it live well I, I will cover it live probably on the radio uh this evening and and back here tomorrow with all the details and i am happy to take your phone calls if you're just tuning in i suppose I should say, very unprofessional, it is Eric Erickson here. It is actually my show, The Eric Erickson Show. And yes, that is my real name. I will have you know, that is my real name. That is my dad's name. That is my grandfather's name, uh, Eric Erickson. And the phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You know, I, I, I say that partly, and I'm being serious here. Eric Erickson is my name. I never knew it until I got into radio. How many people lie about their names on radio? The number of people whose real names are different from people on radio. Now, like Rush Limbaugh, that's his real name. In in Hannity and in Beck and the like, but I'm I'm stunned by the number of people I know, and and it's usually it's local radio for some unknown reason. I don't know why local radio show hosts feel the need to have a DJ name as opposed to just using their use your freaking real name. Who cares? I don't know. In any event, I I got to get back to the story. This is this is bizarre. Uh, a woman was slammed online after she shared a video clip of herself licking a toilet seat on TikTok. Now, TikTok, if you don't know, TikTok is an app you can get on your phone. It is produced by China, and it is part of the Chinese surveillance state. We have it blocked at our house. You cannot use it at our house. Uh, do not use TikTok and get your kids off of it. Seriously, it's it's a Chinese government surveillance operation. Um, in fact, the U.S. government is banning people from having it on their phones if they want to come on the military installations. But nonetheless, a lot of kids these days do it and they're influencers. Think about this. This woman, this 22-year-old, I should say, is considered an influencer, Ava Louise. She's from Miami. She's 22. She was slammed online for licking an airplane toilet seat while taking part in the so-called coronavirus challenge. In the short clip, she can be seen crouching in front of an airplane toilet seat before licking it. Y'all, we actually need more of this from these idiots. They need to go back to eating Tide Pod and then seeing if bleach is a cure. We could clean the gene pool. No, that's cruel. I shouldn't say it. But I mean, we could clean the the gene pool of humanity. 
with these idiots. I, I mean, come on, this is stupid. She, it, it, first of all, it's stupid that people are so outraged she felt the need to take it down, but it's also stupid of her. Someone, a, 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 if you are influenced by this person, you're actually a bigger idiot than she is. Just ponder that. Uh, she is an idiot, and so are you. If you follow her now, uh, we should note the the governor of Ohio. There's a Democratic primary, actually the Republican primary as well in Ohio today. And they the governor of Ohio has canceled it in defiance of a court order. It's actually kind of a big deal. Uh, The governor of Ohio uh, decided yesterday that you can't have the election today because of the spread of the virus. It's clear that tomorrow's in-person voting does not conform and cannot conform with these CDC guidelines. We cannot conduct this election tomorrow, the in-person voting for 13 hours tomorrow, um, and conform to these guidelines. Uh, We have received calls The Lieutenant Governor and I have talked to people from throughout Ohio who, frankly, are very conflicted. Uh, Conflicted in whether they vote tomorrow. We continue to stress that people 65 years of age and older should not leave their home unless absolutely, absolutely necessary. Again, we'll say that today. Dr. Acton will talk today about that. So it is people 65 and older, uh, also people who have any kind of medical, they're compromised medically. Man, that is the oral equivalent of watching paint dry, is it not? Goodness gracious. Uh, um, that That's Governor DeWine of Ohio saying that they, they're, they're canceling the election today. Now, so he went into court yesterday afternoon and asked a judge to issue the order, and the judge refused. The judge refused to issue the order and said it's too late. The election's on. You can't stop it at this point. And uh, Mike DeWine took the, the Andrew Jackson approach and basically said, uh, enforce it, judge. We're not having the election. And not only uh, did he not only did he do that, but he ordered his state health inspector to shut down every polling location in the state today. So there could be no election today, uh, openly defying a court order. And, you know, honestly, so and you do need to understand that the Democrats in the state have his back. Uh, the the uh, Ohio Democrats and the Democratic National Committee support Mike DeWine in this. The legislature supports DeWine. It's one judge in Ohio who said no. And the entire political establishment of both parties has said we are not having the election. DeWine moved it to June. So they, they, they do very much like, you know, Georgia typically, and Georgia's doing this as well. Georgia has a presidential primary and then it has the general primary. And now they've moved the presidential primary to the general primary in in uh, may well ohio does the same thing they have their presidential primary now today technically and then they have all their other primaries in june and dewine's just moved everything to june to be on the same ballot so that's what they're going to do and the judge said no and he said yes well don lemon on cena you know i i do like don personally but trump has broke him it's it's sad he, he's become such a partisan uh for a guy who prided himself on being objective in the past he he's just he's become a a real partisan. It's it is unwatchable TV. 
uh, and, and listen to him talking to the Ohio Secretary of State. So the governor is a Republican. Uh, he has canceled or delayed a Democratic primary. Are you prepared to answer questions about whether there is a, any partisanship to, to this decision? Yeah, no, and to be clear, uh, this is both a Republican and Democratic primary. Of course, the, the contest on the Democratic side is uh, uh, perhaps uh, more um, uh, aggressive right now, but there, uh, there are Republican candidates running in primaries at the state legislative level, at the local level. And so there is both a Republican and Democratic primary going on. And, and I'll, I want to be clear that here in Ohio, uh, we've really been working together in a bipartisan way. I've been on the phone with the Democratic chairman and the Republican chairman throughout the entirety of this because this is one of those moments where really it's not about one party or the other. It's about making sure that we can have a fair election and a safe election. Yeah. Well, you know, the country's paying attention to the presidential race, so that's why I asked that question. <laughs> what? What? You know, there there actually are Democrats out there peddling the conspiracy theory that uh, th- th- this is to keep Bernie Sanders in the race longer, that, that Sanders supposedly, they, they would have you believe that Sanders was going to to do well in Ohio, and by dragging this out, it's going to keep Sanders in the race longer. It's going to keep the Democratic field from consolidating, and uh, that this is all a, a plot. This is all a plot. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, in politicians behaving badly on this, there's Bill de Blasio, the idiot and listen, I, I don't say that lightly. The man is a communist idiot. He's the mayor of New York City. He ran for president for about 10 minutes and realized nobody likes him. And he showed up at a YMCA after telling everybody to stay home and close down the gyms. He himself had a driver drive him, chauffeur him to a gym in New York City to work out. And the press, of course, is having none of it. And he's mad at the press. I did not for a moment think there was anything problematic because I knew the dynamics and again, I have to stay healthy so I can make the decisions for the people of this city. Wait a second. I, I got to stay healthy so I can make decisions for the people. This, this is just like a communist to to put himself ahead of everyone else and claim special exemption for himself and, and claim that, that we're living in normal times. We're not living in normal times, people. We're not. Uh, and, and for him to go out and do that. And, and so it turns out we now know from the New York Times, unless we're, we're going even the Democrats or Blasio is going to call them fake news or some such. Um, it is it, it's it's fascinating because we know from the New York Times that his top aides all told him they would quit if he didn't shut down bars and restaurants and gyms in New York City. He did not want to do it because today is St. Patrick's Day. In fact, he's been encouraging people to go out and and, uh, buy uh, beer and liquor and celebrate St. Patrick's Day, even as he's now forced to uh, close down the the gyms, the bars, and the restaurants. And he really didn't want to. And it, it came out, the New York Times and others reporting his aides decided they would quit if he didn't do it. Reporters called him out on it. And, man, can you imagine if Trump did this? Dr. Barbeau, has I just answered the question like a minute ago. I, uh, you called on me. <laughs> you said, Mr. Mayor. I don't understand your question. I was asked the question, has anyone resigned? No. Has anyone threatened to resign? No. Do you want to ask her if she's resigned or threatened to resign? Feel free. But ask her. Don't ask me. I'm confused by your question. I have no intentions of resigning. I'm very... Uh, 
honored to have this position at this time in history, and I am honored to be working with the mayor closely, along with my colleagues, to again ensure that we have one goal, which is to slow the spread of COVID-19 and reduce the harm to New Yorkers. No. Guys, you can print what the hell you want in the middle of a crisis, but when we tell you it's false and we confirm to you it's false, it would be really, really nice if you would acknowledge it. This is a crisis. This is not personalities and games. This is a crisis. A crisis so much that you decided to have a chauffeur take you to the gym and tell people that it was normal times. By the way, multiple media outlets have confirmed this. Uh, and, and he can stand there with the aid. But can you imagine if, if Trump did it? If, if Trump did it? I mean, just ask yourself that. Uh, I mean, this guy is doing what they regularly accuse the president of doing, and, and most of the media is going to give de Blasio a pass because he's a Democrat. And by the way, the media is livid with Andrew Cuomo. Members of the press are attacking Andrew Cuomo because of a soundbite I'm about to play you. It, I'm, I wish I was making it up. I'm not making it up. Cuomo genuinely is being beat up by the press for saying this. Uh, we have had a phenomenal increase in testing. We've been able to use our laboratories. Uh, our emergency management team has done a very good job of reaching out to our state labs, getting them on track, getting them coordinated. Uh, our testing numbers are way up, as you'll see. Uh, next week, uh, by the end of this week, we think we're going to be up to about 7,000 tests per day which is an exponential increase of what we have done. I made this suggestion to the vice president. I made it to the president. Uh, I often tell you when um, I am uh, unhappy with the federal response to this state, the uh, fairness dictates that uh, kudos where Kudos are due, and here the vice president and the president responded very quickly. <gasps> How can he say that? How can he say the president and vice president deserve kudos? How can he say they did the job they were supposed to do and did it well? He can't say that. How dare he? I mean, seriously, members of the press are beating up Andrew Cuomo for saying that the, the president and the vice president did their job responsibly. The New York Times peddling a fake news story that the president told governors uh, that they were on their own for getting respirators. That's not actually what the, the president said. In fact, the New York Times and the Washington Post ran that story above the fold on their websites and their newspapers saying the president told governors they were on their own. And even Democratic governors have had to come out and say, wait a second, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. What he said was that if you can get them... Get them, but we're here to help you if you can't. That's what he said. And you would never know that from the New York Times and the Washington Post original stories. I mean, when you've got Andrew Cuomo, a partisan Democratic governor, coming out and defending the president on this stuff, you know the media is really screwing stuff up. And the fact that they're attacking Andrew Cuomo for doing that really tells you everything you need to know about where the press is right now. They'd rather run communist propaganda from China uh, than take up for the American president. The governor is speaking at one o'clock today. Stay tuned. Uh, no idea what exactly we are uh, going to hear from him. I hope he's not going to further restrict travel selfishly so I can go to the beach in two weeks. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Georgia's public health commissioner, Dr. Kathleen Toomey, said Tuesday the state's seeking out respirators, ventilators, and other medical equipment to try and contain the coronavirus outbreak. 
she said some of Georgia's hardest hit communities are experiencing equipment shortages and the task force Governor Kemp has set up is in the process of identifying supply sources from the federal government and the private sector. Now, uh, this comes on the heels of the president's comment with audio leaked to the New York Times where the president said, uh, we'll be getting back to you, but try getting it yourself. Point of sale, much better, much more direct if you can get it yourself. Uh, the president's had a number of Democratic governors defend him on that statement as well. But uh, Michelle Luan Grisham, who's the New Mexico governor, has been blasting the president, demanding help from the federal government. Uh, governor Kemp, by the way, defended the statement, uh, saying that the president's comments were part of a response about encouraging governors to collaborate with private sector partners in getting medical equipment and dispersing testing. The point, states may get both quicker by going directly to sources. Uh, and it's just, it's interesting. By the way, you should know that the governor of New Mexico is probably a contender for vice president uh, with Joe Biden. So, of course, she wants to, to amp up and do stuff like that. Um, you probably want to know that Universal Pictures, uh, owned by Comcast, has decided to start uh, putting some of its movies out on film. Uh, Starting on March 20th, some titles currently in theaters are going to be available for rent. So The Hunt, The Invisible Man, and Emma. Uh, The biggest is DreamWorks Animation Trolls World Tour is going to come out uh, April 10th, the same day it's scheduled to be released in theaters. They're going to release it on streaming. According to the streamable.com, Universal Pictures has a broad and diverse range of movies with 2020 being no exception. Rather than delaying the films or releasing them into a challenge distribution landscape, we wanted to provide the option for people to view these titles in their home that's both accessible and affordable. This past weekend saw the lowest box office gross in movie theaters in over 20 years. While Universal hasn't committed to releasing titles the same day as they are theatrically for the rest of the year, It will be interesting to see if other studios follow suit. Uh, Disney's delayed Mulan. Sony has delayed uh, James Bond. And the Fast and Furious 9 is delayed as well. Let's be honest here. Trolls World Tour, the the Trolls movie wasn't that popular. And the odds are it's going to suck to this movie. So, but uh, they're going to make digital rentals available for 20 bucks. The rental, rental will be available for 48 hours. Uh, normally films go to rent four to five months after the theatrical release. Well, Disney stepped up on Disney plus and released frozen two, which I, I, I got nothing on. I, I have no desire to see frozen two at all. Uh, nothing. Um, it, it is just, it, it, it's a bunch of garbage. And I realize when you got small kids, they are all totally into this whole frozen two thing. Um, Disney and, and sequelitis. I, you know, I do feel bad for Onward, the Chris Pratt, Tom Holland Pixar movie. Kind of, uh, it, it did not have the strongest box office out of the gate, and I don't know a person who didn't like it. I mean, everybody I know who went to see that movie at the theater uh, was telling me that I needed to take my kids to see it, that that it was awesome and I would love it, and it's just cratered at the box office. Now everything is cratering at the box office. Uh, because of, uh, you know, if Disney were smart, frankly, it would probably go on and make Onward available on Disney Plus uh, because it's not doing well at the box office and the box office is tanking. So go on and get it out there. Do this. Trot Tom Holland out and trot Chris Pratt out. They're both very popular with the fans and try to redeem that movie to some degree. My goodness gracious. Um, 
not doing well, but nothing's doing well, and including The Hunt, which I was sent a, a pre-release copy of to look at to see it wasn't as bad as some people had claimed, and then I forgot to watch. It's just not my cup of tea. When we come back, let's debunk a conspiracy theory together because, man, one has come into my timeline, and I went down the rabbit hole. All right, let us go down the rabbit hole. Uh, I have now for... Gosh, uh, several weeks uh, been seeing people say that COVID-19 was patented in 2015 and that there's some, some serious conspiracy theory that the, the, the Chinese are essentially deploying an American patented virus. I, and, you know, these are not dumb people saying this. These are, these are educated people. Um, and I, I was, I've kind of been shocked because I've heard this now more than once. In fact, I got an email again yesterday uh, from a listener who is, is not, a, not a dumb person who said, yeah, in fact, he saw online that uh, COVID-19 had been patented. Uh, this, this coronavirus had been patented in 2015 and that it's a, a produced by a, a big pharma. Naturally, it all goes back to big pharma. And I thought, what, what on earth is going on here? The, the, these, these are bright people. And uh, they think this, um, and um, I, I just, just, um, and I, I, it just, it, 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 it boggles my mind that people can come up with this, and yet I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of conspiracy theories. And I decided I would go down the rabbit hole and see where all of this stuff comes comes from, because if I've got smart people sending me emails saying that this virus is actually spread by a pharmaceutical manufacturer and that it is patented. And again, they're smart people and they've got research to back themselves up. There is something clearly at odds with reality and we need to figure out what it is. So I went down the rabbit hole so no one else has to go down the rabbit hole. And let me explain to you the origins of this conspiracy theory. In 2015, there's a company called Gilead Science. And in 2015, Gilead Science patented a drug called Remdesivir. Remdesivir. R-E-M-D-E-S-I-V-I-R. It was designed, uh, according to its patent, it was designed to fight Ebola, uh, it was designed to fight MERS, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and it was designed to fight other coronaviruses, according to the patent. It, it specifically was labeled to um, to fight coronaviruses. Now, as the virus began to spread through China, and by the way, I, I hope you will, it, it, Joe Rogan, I, I'm not a big podcast listener, and I don't listen to Joe Rogan regularly, but a bunch of friends flagged it for me last week, and I went and listened to Joe Rogan. He was talking to a, a world-renowned epidemiologist from the University of Minnesota, and he was talking about how this is not a lab-manufactured coronavirus. He's an expert enough to be able to tell. It doesn't have the data points um, to to deal with it. Uh, it, it, what it actually does is you can sell the, you know what a pangolin is? A pangolin is a creature. It's like an Asian anteater. It looks kind of like an armadillo, uh, but s- scales. 
and that uh, they have found a number of of pangolins in China that have 99% of the same genetic markers in coronaviruses infecting them as in this COVID-19 coronavirus. And they are a delicacy in China. They are hunted. A lot of people say bats. And what this epidemiologist actually thinks is that it was probably a bat infected the pangolin and it mutated in the pangolin and has uh, unleashed on people. And based on the rate of mutation they're seeing, he would put the marker at November. I still think that probably this uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology has something to do with it. I I don't believe it was lab manufactured, but it would not surprise me if it was being studied in the lab and accidentally released, that it was an accidental uh, infection as they were studying it. And, And these sorts of accidents do happen all over the world at these sorts of places, and it wouldn't surprise me. So in 2015, Gilead Science patents this drug to fight coronaviruses in January of 2020, the Wuhan Institute of uh, Virology, which is the place a lot of people think accidentally released this epidemic on the world, they claims uh, they claim it might have found something to fight COVID-19. Now, keep in mind that they waited until the virus was released on the world. They waited until this was spreading around China. It started in December. December. It's spreading in January. The Chinese deny, 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 deny until it's too late. It's spreading around the world now. They've got to say something. And the Wuhan Institute of Virology comes out and says, hey, uh, we've developed something we think might help. And it turns out that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had stolen, it appears, it appears, that they stole the chemical composition of Gilead Sciences drug. The Chinese are notorious for stealing other people's intellectual property, and it appears that this Wuhan Institute operated by the Chinese government stole the chemical formula for Gilead Sciences drug, and they repackaged it as a potential cure uh, for COVID-19. Well, Gilead Science realizes what's happened. So Gilead Science had to file an update to its patent in January of 2020 to make clear that uh, remdesivir, its drug, could potentially be used as a treatment for COVID-19. Now, as a result of this, when you update your patent, your original patent may get updated, but the original date of your patent stays. Now, the reason the original date of your patent stays is because you want to be able to preserve your patent should something come along later. So Gilead Sciences patent was filed in 2015 and uh, in 2020, China comes out and says, hey, we've got a drug and it's chemically identical to what Gilead Science came up with in 2015. You don't want when Gilead Science updates its its patent to change the date of when his patent was filed because under under uh, international treaty its patent would then be superseded by what China came up with. So what happens is when they amend the patent to say, hey, we think it'll work for this now, their patent date stays 2015. It doesn't update the date of the patent filing. And the result of this is that conspiracy theorists have looked into Gilead science. They found that Gilead science has a 2015 patent tied to COVID-19 And they've built this elaborate conspiracy that Gilead Science 
patented COVID-19 in 2015, and they accidentally released it into the wild. And it was them, an American pharmaceutical company, not like China. Now, of course, the Chinese have gotten a hold of this. It's very funny. I've been seeing accounts since I since I wrote about this last night. I've been seeing a bunch of, of accounts on Twitter that have minimal activity who were suddenly firing up saying, oh, no, follow this. It looks like they released it into the wild. And it's it's Chinese troll accounts that are doing this. This is what happened. Gilead Science in 2015 finds this drug and patents it. In 2020, China copies it and claims it's to help COVID-19. The only way to stop China from stealing the patent is for Gilead Science to update its patent to reference COVID-19, which it does. And now the conspiracy theorists think, oh, 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 they, they, they patented COVID-19 in 2015. No, no, they just updated a patent. That's what it was. But it, it, it's amazing how the mind works. These conspiracy theories work. I've noted in the last several days, a number of people have cropped up online who are, um, they are saying, you know, I, I got this virus and I had these symptoms in December and I live in Los Angeles or I live in Savannah or I live in New York City and I, I tested negative for the flu and clearly I had COVID-19 uh, in December. And so it can't be the Chinese. And these are all, they, they all, you look at them and these are people, they got family photos and things like that on, on Instagram or on Twitter. They've got a history of tweets that go back a year or two. Their accounts are not new. They're a year old or so. And they're all coming forward. They're saying, well, I had this back in December and I live in the United States. And so it can't be China that's spreading it. But when you delve into the accounts, you realize, wait a second, these accounts, they've only been tweeting about COVID-19 and how it's the Americans fault. Or they've only been tweeting about uh, the, the Democratic election or some such, and they don't go back very far. Even though the accounts have been around for a while, the accounts have not been active. And that's a pretty good telltale sign that this is a troll or this is a bot. This is a Chinese computer program tweeting these things out. And we know, in fact, the president was asked yesterday at his press conference about uh, foreign interference over the storyline. And he was very adamant that, yes, it does appear that there are uh, foreign governments who are engaged in this. There are foreign governments that are trying to stir up dissension. There are foreign governments that are trying to uh, steer the conversation. And I'm actually really interested in uh, the data there, but I'm seeing it already in the conspiracy theories that are coming up online. Uh, some of the other conspiracy theories I've gotten lately um, is, you know, we're, we're still dealing with the, this is just a, a troll by the media to go after the president. Uh, I, I, I got to This, this is, this is kind of, this is profound to me. Um, this is, let me play this for you. This is the president at press conference yesterday. A lot of people are concerned about how long, all of this might last. Do you, do you have any kind of estimate that if, if Americans really were to band together and right. do what the White House is suggesting, how quickly you could turn this corner? My favorite question, I ask it all the time. How many times, Anthony? I think I ask him that question every day, and uh, I speak to Deborah, I speak to a lot of them. I get the opinion. So it seems to me that if we do a really good job, uh, we'll not only hold the death down to a, a level that is uh, much lower than the other way, had we not done a good job. Uh, but people are talking about July, August, something like that. So it could be right in that period of time where it, I say wash, it washes through. Other people don't like that term, but where it washes through. So here's the thing. 
the president is now taking this very seriously. The president in his press conference yesterday said he wants Americans to hunker down. He wants gatherings reduced. He wants discretionary travel curtailed. He wants schools closed down. And he acknowledges that the economy is going to suffer. The stock market took another hit today. Is the U.S. economy heading into a recession? Well, it may be. We're not thinking in terms of recession. We're thinking in terms of the virus. Once we stop, I think there's a tremendous pent-up demand, both in terms of the stock market and in terms of the economy. And once this goes away, once it goes through and we're done with it, I think you're going to see a tremendous, a tremendous surge. Y'all... I realize that there are presidential supporters who believe that this is a media hit job to take out the president. You now have the president of the United States wanting to shut down American society as best he can to keep the virus from spreading. Why would the president be doing that if this was a media hit job? Now, some of you will have ready answer. Well, he's going to respond to the media now. and He's going to take it seriously to change the media narrative. And it's all a hit job. Y'all, here's the thing. If this virus spreads like the flu, it has 10 times the mortality rate of the flu minimum. By the way, globally right now, it's still got a 5% mortality rate. In Italy, it's got a 9% fatality rate. Globally, it's got a 5% fatality rate. Dr. Fauci believes it can be a 1% fatality rate. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to kill a lot of people. If it kills people at a 1% rate and it spreads like the flu, it's going to kill a half million people. Actually, it's going to kill more than that because a lot of people get the flu shot. And there's no vaccine for this disease. So it's going to kill a lot more people if it spreads like the flu. If, 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 if it spreads like the flu. There are a lot of conservatives who for a while now have been saying this is like the common cold. It, it, it's no big deal. It's just the cold or it, it's no big deal. It's just the flu. And, and to be fair now, we, we now have enough research. The, the original research was that mild cases of this are worse than your average case of the flu. It now turns out there are a lot of seriously mild cases seriously mild cases and in being seriously mild cases there are a lot of them tom 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 hanks and and uh reed wilson uh mild cases they're already out of the hospital that's fantastic news but there are a lot of people who are going to die from it and so don't conflate the mild case with the serious case there are still going to be a lot of serious cases. Here's the data that we have right now. Uh, it turns out that the mild cases of this actually can be mild. In fact, it turns out that the younger you are, the milder the case will be. The older you are, the more serious the case will be. But there are a lot of people in the 30s, 40s, and 50s who will get serious cases of this and have to be hospitalized. It turns out that about 10% of people who get it are going to need to be hospitalized. It turns out that 1% to 5% of the people who get it are going to die. If it spreads like the flu, you're talking about between 500,000 and 1.5 million people dying if it spreads like 
like the flu. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It has nothing to do with media hit job against the president. It has to do with stopping this from spreading like the flu. It has to do with hospital capacity. It has to do with slowing the spread so hospitals can, can not tax resources, so that supply chains for hospitals can continue to function. It's not a media hit job. It is not the cold. It is not like the cold. It is something far worse than the cold. We do not want it to spread. There's been so much disinformation out there and so many conspiracy theories, and most of them coming from the right. But now you're starting to see conspiracy theories coming from the left as well, such as uh, all of this is a ploy to keep Bernie Sanders in the race, or all of this is a ploy to hurt Bernie Sanders, or all of this is a ploy to do something with the Democratic Party or, or do something with the economy. We're seeing conspiracy theories from everywhere. People who are stuck at home, bored with idle minds and a lot of time on their hands, are coming up with some amazing conspiracy theories. And I got to tell you, part of my job here is to debunk the conspiracy theories and tell you what's actually going on. And some of them, I, I do have to say, some of them are very funny. And then there's like this Kung Flu thing. Y'all, listen, I realize there are racists out there and racists will grab hold of things like Kung Flu, but I honestly don't care that people use the phrase Kung Flu. I personally find it funny and I don't perceive it as racist and I'm sorry if you're offended by it, but there are a lot of people out there offended right now because China tells them to be offended and there are a lot of people out there who never cared about Ebola or West Nile or the St. Louis encephalitis or any of these other geographically named diseases who suddenly are really upset about calling it the Wuhan virus because, oh my goodness, China says we shouldn't do this and we don't want to upset our Chinese overlords. We, we damn well do want to upset our Chinese overlords. They have wrecked the entire global economy. They've tried to cover up a virus. They tried to cover up the extent of it, and now they're blaming us for it. I mean, you got to pick a side at some point, and I picked the side of the United States of America, and I'm sorry if you disagree. All right. I got people all upset with me for, for saying Kung flu. I, y'all, I thought it was funny. And now suddenly I'm, I'm being told it's terribly racist and we can't laugh about it. And I have people I respect upset with it. Um, but I just, I personally thought it was funny. Um, I, I don't want to embolden the, the alt-right racist who I'm sure apparently now there, there is a conspiracy circulating online that actually the Jews are behind all of this. Oh boy. Um, I'm y'all, we are in, in sensitive times. We are in sensitive times. Uh, now what else do we have going on out there? Surely there's something we can talk about besides this. Oh, I know what I do need to bring you up to speed on. Um, the, um, the governor is holding a press conference at one. I was just told, however, that it's actually more, he wants to answer a bunch of questions from the media. It, no new news is expected out of this at one o'clock. I, I was thinking I may have to be on my, my afternoon radio show early, but I'm being told to, uh, not to worry about it, that he's not planning on making new news. You know, when I hear this now, I, I'm suddenly thinking, Oh gosh, are we going to have some, some level of, um, are we going to have some level of, confinement are we going to be stuck in our homes under like martial law or something you know th there are so many rumors out there right now and i'm doing my best to tamp down on the rumors i get emailed all all the time now every day are you hearing anything about martial law are you hearing anything about the deployment of the national guard are you hearing anything about uh, shelter in place orders are you hearing anything about gas shortages are you hearing anything about food shortages every day now and you know listen i'm kind of flattered that that people realize I, I i'm somewhat plugged in they think i'm more plugged in than i actually am i try never to talk to these people in large part because uh i get but they get blamed for stuff i say on the radio you know when jim demint was in the senate I, i'm a big jim demint fan and when Jim DeMint was in the U.S. Senate, uh, I would never talk to him. And I would never talk to him because they, um, the, the, the people would blame, Mitch McConnell in particular, would blame Jim DeMint. Anytime I wrote something, Jim DeMint got blamed for it. 
if I was critical of the Senate Republicans. And I'm not making that up. Uh, now, after he left office, we talked about it and kind of got a laugh out of it. Uh, but Senate Republicans would blame McConnell all the time, or I'm sorry, Senate Republicans would blame DeMint all the time because of the um, b- because anything I wrote, they viewed it as Jim DeMint. I was just a stenographer for him, which was not the idea that I, a conservative, can't think for myself that I've got to have somebody feed me the talking points. I just wow. Um, so I try not to talk to these, and I try not to talk to the governor. I, yeah, I, I could reach out to the governor if I want, but I try never to uh, because I don't want to get him blamed for something that I say on the radio. People thinking it's me. Nonetheless, uh, we don't have to worry about martial law right now. We don't have to worry about lockdowns and shelter in places. Just calm down, folks. You got bread, gas, beer. You're okay. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>